You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, this is Charlotte Abate, Emily Ballou, and Samantha Marisandejas. And this is Young, Scrappy, and Hungry. Welcome back, everyone. Yeah. Yes. Episode five. We're here. Wow, we finally made it this far. It's <laughs> we're, happening. We're almost done. It's like we just began, but we're almost done at the same time. It's sad. And what a great episode we have for you today. Today, we will be talking about diversity within the theater landscape. Mm -hmm. Now, diversity is really a term that is thrown around a lot, and it means so many things. Um, But today, we're going to look at it from a few different angles and perspectives and sort of talk about what that means to us and the different uh, resources that you can use and have a really cool guest artist coming up a little later in the show, too. So let's get cracking go act one who wants to start i can go ahead and start go for it girl (laughs) so i brought two resources today uh the first one is called finding our way in a world of gender fluidity so there is a lot of conversation there is a lot of conversation there needs to be a lot more action towards um gender casting and specifically um gender and LGBTQ plus representation as well. So this article goes through um, the importance of that and how we know the work, but we need to do better. And also just the, the practices of gender bending roles and also the need for more actual representation of lesbian, bisexual characters on stage and also mm-hmm. having trans people on stage and having those stories be included. Um, but also like, it's kind of a call out to like casting directors in a way of just because you're trying to implement diversity and inclusion in your plays and in your productions doesn't mean that you can just throw in a character just because if that makes sense. So everyone in the show 
behind the scenes, on stage, all of it has a purpose. And you can't just throw it in because, oh, we need this character. Well, why do you? And also within audition rooms too, don't you dare just ask like, oh, can you make this character more, you know, Mm. insert, you may insert what else there may be into that question, which is so frustrating. And you know what, just answer back, well, why? Mm -hmm. Why do you want me to act it that way? What is it, like, why is it important for me to act it that way? Because there's so many different, the LGBTQ and gender roles are not caricatures. They're real human beings, so treat them as so. Absolutely. So that is the first (laughs) source. She went off. I went off. That was a spiel. <laughs> but um, the second re- the second resource is called Creating an Anti-Racist Performing Arts Classroom, Decolonizing and Diversifying the Performing Arts. And it's a resource and database collection. So it offers different resources and databases, how to decolonize and diversify theater and drama classrooms, as well as dance studios. Mm-hmm. So it gives a lot of... Um, it gives a lot of different research for like decolonizing gender and decolonizing your syllabus, activist classrooms, um, ways to decolonize your bookshelf and so much more and decolonizing your music room too. So for this, even though this sounds like it would be perfect uh, for aspiring educators and practicing educators right now, we can all really learn from this within our rehearsal spaces, within our rehearsal meetings, within our team meetings, and within our um, within our production processes as a whole. Absolutely. Yeah. So those are my sure. resources. Anyone else want to share y'all? I can go. <laughs> um, my sorry if you hear my dog barking in the background. Um, the dog. <laughs> um, my first resource um is a podcast episode actually um from BPN and it was it's called uh, the podcast is called Cause and Effect and it is episode three um and basically. Um, the host and their guests talk about um, allyship and their experiences with growing as allies and learning. And it, it's it's a great um, talk to just listen to um, how people have grown into being better allies and um, checking themselves and um, making better, better moves for um, – to support marginalized communities um, when you are the privileged um, party. So um, I don't know. It's just an interesting listen and definitely check it out. And then um, my second resource is a um, article that also is connected to BPN. It's from The Ensemblist. And the article is um, three ideas for um allyship sorry three ideas for allyship in the theater 
And it basically talks about more like the business side of theater um, and how um, actors and even just like people in general in theater can make moves and make a difference in um, creating a more um, diversified and um, supporting community. And um, it's a it's an interesting read. And I think um, it definitely offers some really helpful information on moves to make. So check it out, awesome. Emily. <laughs> sure. So the first resource that I'm bringing to the table today, we have actually mentioned it a little bit in a previous episode when we had Stephanie Everett on as a guest. And this is the Sappho Project, which is uh, this really great uh, new sort of group and collective that they are working on. And they have a fantastic website and blog uh, at thesappoproject.com. We'll link it in the episode bio. And here there are really, uh, really great opportunities and postings for upcoming festivals and workshops and different awards uh, for theater artists who um, identify um, themselves as artists of color and women and uh, gender non-conforming musical theater makers are really helping answer that call for more works from more of the voices that we don't really hear about very often and are not given the opportunities to be heard from. And I really enjoy the blog that they have. It's new and up and coming. And so they are rolling out new content every week or so. And I highly recommend everyone checks that out, uh, both if you are yearning for a resource that really speaks to your identity that you come with and also looking for more uh, shows and plays and just uh, writings and readings from other people. So that's really great. And then the second resource I have is for actors and it's called the Encompass Collective. And this group is a group of teaching artists who were actually trained at the Yale School of Drama's MFA acting program. And they offer these really incredible online courses at pay what you can rates. Um, and it is um, black, indigenous, mixed or people of color actors um, identifying exclusive. And they are really interested in subverting the white canon um, and helping young artists of color learn from teachers with similar experiences as their own because we very rarely see that. Like we very rarely get to learn and have um, teaching role models who sort of share some of the same um, experiences as artists of color that we come into with. And it's nice to also be able to have an opportunity to receive some incredible and very needed training um, online in this virtual space that we now work in mm -hmm. um, for not, hundreds of dollars um, because they also recognize that the arts are a very privileged space to be able to work in and offer support and training in that not everyone um, can afford. And so they're really trying to open those doors um, and help help do all those things. Um, in addition to these sort of private classes that they offer in personal training sessions, they also offer workshops um, and they have a lot of different um, alumni and friends that come help um, them teach all of these things and um yeah it's it's really great they say on their website that they really strive for true inclusivity and diversity in their work and i hope that um where people utilize their resources 
um, because I think that's that's pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. Snaps. Snaps to all these resources. Yes. And I Much love needed. I love an accessible, I mean, I love accessible um classes. Like mm-hmm take advantage um and again like emily said the all of these resources will be linked in our uh episode description so don't fret you don't have to write all of this down as we're talking um but yeah that those are all of our resources for this episode um let us know if you have any others that could be helpful um but now we'll move on to act two the interview All right, so we're here with Atiyah Fortune, a native to Dallas, Texas. Atiyah began her training at Dallas Black Dance Theater and was a member of the Allegro Ensemble for four seasons. She recently graduated with a Bachelor in Fine Arts in Dance and a Business Minor at the University of Colorado at Boulder. She has had the privilege to perform several works by many esteemed artists in the Dallas and Denver Boulder communities. Atai currently resides in Colorado as she begins her career in the dance world. Welcome. Thank you. How's it going? How are you feeling? Um, pretty good. I'm in definitely the steps of what to do next and um, how I want to play those cards and trying to get myself within this community. <laughs> exactly. I feel that 100%. Um, just you know as an intro i met ty in um in high school lake hill prep shout out (laughs) dallas texas um and you know she was one of the girlies so of course always love it um well let's just jump in with the questions um and just have a casual convo Um, So my first question, how have you stayed connected with dance and art in general during the pandemic? Obviously, like, things are hard, and it's especially hard for people who are engaged in such a, like, person-to-person career. So Mm. how are you staying connected? Um. Well, first, I kind of prepped myself because throughout college, I was always in a production, no matter what semester I was always performing. And so I was prepping for after college of like, not really having any performances or, you know, stopping that rigorous uh, rehearsal process and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So I was prepping for it. But then with everything, it kind of just like, you know, it, um, halted a couple months before I thought it would so I wasn't as prepared as I thought I was going to be and um, different ways I tried to stay connected thankfully the community that I have here I've had some people shout out to Lara and Samuelson they um, they were a graduate student at CU and I took a kind of like a school uh, like a little session of just creating work every week and so I would have to meet every week with Laura Ann and present anything. It could be from dance. I like to dibble into um, 
like collaging and um, video production. So I'm trying mm -hmm. to like find my place of where I want to be right. in producing work. And that kind of helped me and I applied for different things. The only thing that's a struggle right now is just like physically trying to do dance classes and keeping up with that training. Yeah. I do want to perform, but like, yeah, it's the training to back it up, you know, <laughs> like, yes. so well, um, also, I don't know if you want to talk about this. We can edit it out if you want, but aren't you taking classes? Yes. Let's talk about it. Yeah. So, um, I was actually interested in pole classes in the beginning of college. That's just been a part of my research in general at school. Um, my thesis falls into like, uh, public intimacy and like what's um breaking that barrier of like what is accepted in the public eye um I didn't even know that I love that thank you I I can dive, I can dive into that but that's a whole nother <laughs> I have a whole paper for that um but so I also enjoy the beauty of pole dance like it's it's really physical it's very I don't know it's just very beautiful to watch and yeah. so I was like I'm gonna challenge myself I wanted to do it and it's a lot of upper body strength and it's a lot of actually other body parts that you're like activating like my inner thighs have like I was gonna say the thighs mm, I could not climb up that pole like <laughs> two weeks ago and I got like two ups and I felt so proud of myself it was so amazing but that it's it's a lot of work and you have to give props of anyone that can do that it just changes your perspective yeah. too heck yeah and I mean I don't I, I don't know that all people do but most people not most but a lot of people do it in high heels too so it's like that's another level of challenge pole dancing is so cool I love that I love that you've like picked that up as a form of um like a an outlet wow especially during this time and you just yeah. uh, she told it me the other day be. she bought herself a a pole for her home so I'm like work extra practice and then also like side fear of like if everything shuts down again I still have like something to like yeah. go to without having to physically go to the studio exactly but I have heels okay. I bought two high of heels are they the ones with the platforms mm -hmm. it's like and... nine inches they're oh so fucking, they're so big I wish I can at the end I can show them to you yeah but. yeah that's scary well I love that and um <laughs> hope it doesn't fall i was saying this the other day i'm so scared that that pole <laughs> is not gonna be installed properly or something and it's just gonna crash i'm gonna like panic i need to put it in correctly <laughs> all right well good luck <laughs> thank you <laughs> um um next question <laughs> what are some of the obstacles that you faced as an artist and as a dancer because of your race because of being a, a woman in the industry anything like that what are some of the obstacles you faced um I mean obviously like things are coming up right now within like the world on the world stage <clears throat> excuse me to do with like diversity and um race issues and like tackling those things and building up a better um world especially in the arts so yeah um within dance there's a lot of obstacles along with race because you also have to 
remember if you're trying to get into those like top dance companies you have to look a certain way even though you shouldn't have to right that's just what's been embedded and the community is slowly breaking that but that's going to take a while to get past so that's like one of the biggest obstacles for me because I'm like (laughs) and then um for race wise it's I would say one of the hardest obstacles is like creating work because you know when you're auditioning it's cutthroat for anybody it's fair game so that's kind of like you can somewhat put that aside but like creating work I've I have gotten the say my hair's down and I'm doing this like whole piece but my hair is like covering my face because I'm just like disheveled mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they people give critiques on my hair because my hair has such a like importance because it's like shielding and all that kind of stuff and I'm like right. that's not really what I was going for right. or certain things are interpreted differently because I look the specific way right now it's like kind of shitty to say it's like I can I create work without it having to be a race work right Mm -hmm. just because I produce this does not mean this is how I'm trying to express myself as a black woman in Mm -hmm. America well yeah I just want to create work exactly (laughs) like you don't want everything to be so like like obviously you want to make it some sort of statement but it doesn't always have to be about race right but that's the that's slightly the issue that's the first thing that comes up yeah it's like you, you look at the work and it's like oh she's struggling and it's like I could be struggling with depression and that's what I'm trying to get out rather than I'm struggling with the struggles of being in America right right so it's um that that's like one of the hardest things and for myself to even watch work some people um I saw work at ACDA that's like one of the dance conferences that come to the colleges and some people produce work and it'll be like a black soloist and it'd be so powerful but the first thing you think of is oh you're oh and especially if you add text to it you might you know you might think of it differently and it's like that could be not what they're going for or it could be and that's okay Mm -hmm. but it shouldn't be the first thing on your mind yeah and there's like there's more layers to a person and a person's performance than just their race and I mean again obviously it's okay if that's like the main it's great if that's the main um point that's trying to come across in the in a performance but like it shouldn't be the only level that people are interpreting yeah yeah that that's really frustrating i i i wish that people would look at things on a deeper level you know yeah hopefully things will evolve and change and people will get more used to the fact that like there are people of color like doing performances that don't have to do with like their race and are, they're not solely like surrounding that and if they are that's cool but if they're not that's that's great and it needs to be acknowledged as that um and there's also a struggle in like producing that work as well because you have to as the person you have to mentally prepare yourself to listen so say if I have text of my roommate actually has a piece and he has text from like news anchors you know Mm -hmm. um announcing certain things or like 
the text will have derogatory terms. And so it's like, how can you get yourself mentally prepared to perform that and make yourself go through that all over again? And that's also another obstacle you have to do as an artist. You have to make you, if you want to produce that work and make sure it's getting across, you have to sadly like keep experiencing that over and over again, even though yes, we experience it every day, but it's like, you're really, um sinking in to how it really feels yeah and it's and it gets frustrating because it's like people come after and it's like oh my gosh you know that was so powerful and sometimes that's just not what you want to hear I just want to I wanted to get that out and I don't want to hear anything about you know we really should be working harder (laughs) no (laughs) just let it sit just let it sit and you realize like what you what you just witnessed right that's all that really what people are trying to do and then the other thing is sorry my first point was actually um people are now feeling comfortable producing that work so now you have to also how can that work be unique to all of the other people that are showing their struggle and that's sadly Mm -hmm. what we have to go through right now it's like okay it's another black dance And that, and it's, it's becoming too much of a, a norm, just like how things are in the world. It's just like, "Eh, okay, I'm, you know, that's sad, but like, mm, yeah, yeah, that's a shame. I mean, especially because every, every person's experience is different Different. and it can't all just be boiled down to like, oh, this is the black experience in general, like, um, man that sucks that it's like it's being so um like compartmentalized yep it's like it has to fit in a specific box in order to be valued and it's that's not really how it should be in general with art too like yeah I mean you could uh, like I don't know say there's a there's a ton of movies about like divorced couples you're not going to be like all of these stories are the same Mm -hmm. because they're uh, about divorced people and not all stories about people of color are going to be the same because they're people of color exactly I hope that people are more willing to see and hear all types of stories and all types of different experiences and not have to put them in a box Mm -hmm. um okay well back to you saying (laughs) you're trying to figure out what your next steps are um how do you want to continue your career in dance like you were saying that you you are kind of doing some video production and some other producing and um that type of thing and you still want to do performance obviously so how are you trying to like boil that all down into like a next step obviously it's hard because again we're still in a pandemic and like that sucks but (laughs) yeah it's it's hard because it's like um it's for me personally I want to go the right path it's like weird it's like okay my end goal is to be in art administration. Mm-hmm. Where? Don't know. Okay, so do an internship. I couldn't do internships in between summers at college because I was working to pay my rent. Right. <laughs> so it's like I can't, um, you know, if I lived in the dorms, that would have been easier, but I lived in an apartment. I had lease. So it was like it wasn't ideal to do that then. So now I have to do it now. Mm-hmm. Some internships don't want you after, you know, you a year after you graduated 
Yeah. But the year after I graduated, we were in a pandemic and you didn't do the programs. So can I do the internship? Right. But then if you're doing the internship, you're not in a job. So which one is actually setting the foot into doing that career? But then I want to still physically perform. I won't have this body forever. So it's, (laughs) it's, it's like, which, um, which area can I go into without it halting my life later? And within dance, there's so many, you know, so many options you can do, but it is still a lot harder right now because of the pandemic. Um, of course because you know you got to go virtual with a lot of your performances or do auditions virtual but you're missing the key essence of like I can actually show you who I am when I'm physically there and that's um that's going to really affect a lot of people um I do want to continue and dance that's my anything that I do it doesn't matter as long as it has to do with dance as long as I still have that part in my life, right? I can care less what the, you know, what the actual position is. Yeah. You know, ultimately I do want to do the thing, <laughs> but I wouldn't be upset if it was something else. Right. Um, yeah. As far as like the different um, mediums of art that I'm diving into, I don't consider myself a choreographer, but I choreograph things for myself. If that makes sense. I use it as my like outlet. I call it, you know, like my little art therapy little session. Like, yeah. If I need to figure out how to navigate these emotions and I can't like talk it out, I'm gonna create something and then it's mine. If I want to, you know, present it somewhere, I can, you know, submit it if I want yeah. to. But um, most of the art that I make is mainly for me. So I see myself more as a performer and hopefully an administrator in yeah. the future. I love that. I love that. I, I, first of all, I totally agree. I feel the same way about like, as long as I'm working in, I mean, for you, it stands for me, theater, like as long as I'm working in some capacity in theater, like I can do whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to an extent, you know, to an yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I totally love like what you're saying about um, like you perform and do like choreography and that type of thing for you your art is for you um because I feel like a lot of people kind of struggle with that in art in all art um this is veering off of the question but I I I I always talk about that how like even in hobbies like it shouldn't be like for someone else. Like I like to paint, but like I don't care what other people are gonna say about it or think about it. Cause like it's for me. It's my therapy. That's that's how I'm processing my emotions. Like you said, mm-hmm. that I can't necessarily process in any other way, verbally or whatever. So it's for me, and it's it should. That's how. That I feel like that's how art should be i mean obviously like you can make art for other people that's great but like it shouldn't all be about that yeah and sometimes you lose the meaning of your art sometimes like sometimes it works for people if they just keep producing yeah and as long as you keep that rigorous um pattern going then you know it makes sense to them some people like to sit with months on certain projects because it has to have its meaning but if you 
are constantly producing for something, I feel like sometimes you, you can lose the connection to the actual work if it's that important sometimes you know you just produce a work to produce work who cares Eh, i made this drawing it doesn't you know it doesn't yeah i just need to draw like sometimes you just need to make something yeah sometimes i i am a person that when i make it has to i have to be connected to it i can't just like make it and throw it away like even if i you know throw it away quote unquote it's still sitting there and I'm still thinking about it. And I'm like trying to figure out what's the next step for that work. Absolutely. But that's me as my artist, you know, right. Your process. Right. Other people are completely different and that's as long as it works for them. I mean, there's no right way of making art. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, that is like the whole point of art. Art is subjective. There's no right way to do anything within the art spectrum. As long as you're like, being respectful I feel like um but yeah absolutely um well let's take it back to (laughs) let's time travel for a second here um (laughs) my next question this is gonna be a doozy (laughs) what was it like going to a high school that for people who need context, our high school, um, it was a prep school, a private school. We had 26 people in our graduating class. Um, it was like a K through 12, but not a lot of diversity. It was uh, mostly white people. I think, I think there were, of the 26, I think it was three black people. Mm-hmm. Um, probably like five international students yeah like poc from other places mm-hmm. um and then on the other side of that so you went to this high school um and you were there before high school as well um and then you would spend most of your like other parts of your day um going to dallas black dance theater which is predominantly black students so like mm-hmm talk about that what was the experience like so it's very uh, it's very interesting um looking back on my time at lake hill (laughs) there are certain things that i did not realize were those things until after i left and i was like oh right that did happen and it's like something that you really wouldn't think twice about um but the switch was, it became a norm for me because I was at Lake Hill for so long. Right. I was at Lake Hill since fifth grade. So I was like 10 when I was there. You know, I went, I went to a public school right before that, but in middle school, we had more black students. So it was like, it, was a, it wasn't that big of a transition because I had at least someone to connect with. Right. But then you you get into the norm of like how certain people are at that school. So it's like, um, you know, you kind of blend in. Yeah. Um, but when I went to Dallas Black, it was, it's different because I felt somewhat disconnected from both places because at Dallas Black, most of the people went to school together or they knew each other in different parts outside of school. So I didn't have that connection with some people half the people went to booker t right 
wish I sometimes went to Booker T, but I'm glad I didn't at the same time because it's like, um, my mom's biggest point was that she just didn't want me to have to fight for a position. Right. She didn't want me to have to fight for college application, you know, like trying to yeah dive into college for context listeners booker t is a high school in da- in dallas that's like performing arts based it's amazing <laughs> i know. haven't went there but i mean all the students that come out of that school i mean top tier top tier um but yeah it was like a slight disconnect from both but i kept myself so busy that you know it was fine but then that going to lake hill um influenced my college decision i went to colorado colorado does not have that many black people right anyone did not know (laughs) (laughs) so um i went to the school and i was like oh you know i went to a school that was predominantly white i think i can survive out here you know it's nothing different Mm -hmm. it is very different (laughs) and i you know, I don't regret my decision. I value all the, you know, education I got from CU and the experiences that I've had. But yeah, it was, it, it just didn't. It, it didn't wasn't, it didn't prepare you. <laughs> no, it did not. Um, just come right out and say it. <laughs> it's just like, I, ugh, it's like hard to like. Ah. It's like you got a taste of college at Lake Hill a little bit, just like a little bit. And you're just like, oh, that's how people act. That's that's like normal. And it's and it's hard to um damn, it's hard to language this. Some of my normal wasn't other people's normal. And I learned how to explain that in high school. But in college, I was at the point where I was like, you are too grown to for me to have to explain that to you. Mm -hmm. You should have some something, some knowledge. You should, you should expand out and some yeah. people still have not expanded out and I was not prepared for that right. I was prepared for the experience I had at school mm-hmm. even though some of the stuff that happened at school was not not great best. it's not great <laughs> not the best and I do value like Hill. don't get me wrong mm-hmm. but um yeah institutions don't realize how much Mm -hmm. they have embedded in there and I sadly and thankfully have learned how to just blend in and just keep it going until I can do whatever I want to do later that's just how I felt at CU like you know I just you know you just um at really inappropriate comments You, you know you know like you know what to to do to just like bypass right i mean lake hill was so weird it's such a weird experience going to that type of school um just like speaking on like preparedness like it it's so difficult to like go from 26 people like in your circle than to try to like immerse yourself into a college like campus experience because there are a lot more people (laughs) um but yeah I think like I mean it's it's crazy that I mean I don't know out of 26 like I think like having only three black people is crazy and it's only one black man 
too. So it was, it was, it's a lot crazier when you realize how we like decreased. So in eighth grade, <laughs> we had a lot of black students and most of them, most people came from, um, I believe St. Phillips. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how they started the like yearly St. Phillips like tour with right. the students. Um, yeah. cause a lot of students would just come from that school and come to Lake Hill. And so we had probably like a good eight or nine. If I, I hope I did not miss out any, anybody. <laughs> Hell yeah. We have about like a good eight people in there. <laughs> so just like going from like eight to nine down to three, it's just like, it kind of like tells you like, yeah, it tells um, you a lot. the experience, like how you just want to like, know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's probably, it was probably really hard for the one black male in our class, Brandon, it was probably, I mean, for the three of you, but incredibly hard for Brandon to like find his place because he literally had like no one in his like immediate sphere to like relate to. Yeah. Um, Especially people calling him like an Oreo, which is like, oh, fucked up to say. (laughs) So it's like, "Ah." but then also like for something that I didn't realize was a big thing for me was that since I was so immersed in like activities at school and Dallas Black I had no like other social life Mm. so it's like I thought something was wrong with me because I wasn't dating or you know like doing random like high school things and it's like nothing was wrong with me my selection was really just like limited yeah available and it's like um (laughs) yeah and it's just like um that left a long term effect on me as well so it's just like small things that you really didn't think would be that big of a deal actually like trickled down later in life yeah and I think like it's it's so great that you had like Dallas Black as like an outlet for yourself to find like a community that was like you and Mm -hmm. had similar experiences and um that you couldn't necessarily find in school I mean like high school is kind of crap for everyone but like that was a very special circumstance. Um, but yeah, good memes, good memory. <laughs> um, okay. Well, um, what is something that you have learned about yourself or discovered um, throughout the past couple of months under these obviously insane circumstances? Like you graduated and you couldn't really do much but I'm sure I mean I've had a lot of self-reflection not all of it great (laughs) but um (laughs) what have you discovered as Um, uh, uh, of yourself as an artist or even just you know as a general person um my so I'm working at a dispensary right now so I do a lot of retail and I don't like retail (laughs) that helped (laughs) That, that position helped me with that, helped me figure out kind of where I want to be in the career-wise. I like yeah. planning. I like organizing. I like to know where someone's going to be, where they need to go, and I want to delegate that. Right. So that kind of like helped me out <laughs> career-wise, thankful for my job. But personally, um, I've realized a lot of different things about myself. Sometimes I give too much. I my mom finally gave me my birth time. So I got to look at my astrology, you know, my little chart. I've been asking for this time for like six months and she finally found it last week. 
like she, she was like i don't know where your birth certificate is she was like nine something i was like nine something you're a mother i was like bro you should know this like come on now i'm your firstborn <laughs> firstborn too so i finally got it and um so a lot three things on my chart were leos and it made a lot of sense because i i like to shower people with gifts i like to be there like you know i'm like i'm very passionate about um how my how i am going to love on you i guess yeah. that's like a thing so something that happened this year was that i i i realized i do a lot for other people and i don't feel like i'm getting it back and you know that was like a pattern but i couldn't like figure out like really what it was about right straw broke i was like fuck that i'm sorry <laughs> no it's not it's just like you have to learn when to not do certain things anymore yeah and when to set that boundary i've learned how to make boundaries for myself love that how to um have more confidence in like doing things that i want to do it took a minute for me to tell my family that i was taking pole classes Mm. my family does not give a fuck right (laughs) yeah knowing knowing your family i'm like they would not care my dad was like oh i mean okay (laughs) he's like as long as you want to do that sure but um granted there are like you know different layers in doing that with families so that's another thing but um yeah just having full confidence in doing things for myself rather than doing so many things for other people try to re-navigate it towards myself shower Mm -hmm. myself with stuff i deserve to go get my nails done if i want to get my nails done i shouldn't have to answer to nobody so it's just like small things that like that um yeah wise i know what i want like yeah i realize i i can't just be like oh you know like you know people's lives are like "Mm." no 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 i have to stop making excuses for people (laughs) right people show you when they show you and that's something that um I've had to accept I have learned how to accept a lot of things this year and I am thankful for all of this learning finally went to therapy that helped love it like I I had to stop making excuses this year yeah you want to do this go do it yeah and I'm sure don't do it yeah and that that, again that like that translates into like art as well i mean like do what you want to do period yeah i yeah some of my work i'm like (laughs) (laughs) what does that mean that you shouldn't have done it you regret i shouldn't have done it i don't yeah i don't regret it no regret um like this is really a lot so sorry it's not a lot. It's actually probably going to be like nothing. So I am very interested in doing a piece in my bed. And I only want, I want to do that because I feel like that is the most, the closest to intimacy I've gotten with a person was only in my bed. Yeah. And that was my way of figuring out that emotion. Why can I get that level of intimacy outside of the bed? Right. Why is it only in the bed? So that's just like a piece of of work that I'm like, ooh, should you even like put yourself out there and like expose that? But like also who gives up? We're all navigating something. So I mean. Do what you want to do. Just do it. I love that. I think that's really cool because like it's a way to, again, explore emotions that you might not be able to like 
process in other ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a 10-minute improv, but oh, that's pretty much it. Yeah, I like had a bad habit I have is leaving laundry in my bed. I just unfold <laughs> it. I would just leave it there. And so I was like, well, fuck it. I have laundry. So I was like, in, in the video, I'm basically like the laundry. You can't tell if it becomes a person or if it's just like a comfort space. It's like mm. I'm literally like cradling it and I'm like hiding myself in it and then I like come out and I'm like holding and like listening. Mm. It's really interesting and weird at the same time. You're like, what? Listen. <clears throat> Excuse me. I Yeah, I love that. I would watch that 10 out of 10. <laughs> Fun fact, one time at in high school, we had some uh, a little like coffee house where like people performed and stuff. And Miss Ty did a like a dance to like a Beyonce song or something, and I cried. <laughs> cried. I forgot I did that. I honestly suppress a lot of shit that I didn't like kill. I'm like, oh, let's not never go forget. Thing. I'll never forget that moment. <laughs> It was so good. Thank you. I remember that now. I feel good doing it too. It yes, love it. You did mention earlier you're into getting or getting into video mm-hmm. and sort of expanding your creative sphere. Do you have any work like up online that we can watch? Mm. No, I'm actually. Hopefully, I don't miss the deadline. Um, I I created a piece. Uh, for one of my, it was a performing voices of women class. Ooh. And, um, Ooh, I it, love was, class. It, it was, it was pretty interesting. You, it, yeah, it was good. Um, shout out Beth. Anyways. Um, I have a video and it's, I can send it. It's on my Instagram. Actually. Oh. I put the mirror in between my legs. So I like walk in and I have the mirror in between my legs. I'm like cradling it. And inside the mirror, it's just like a whole bunch of different images that like collage on top of each other. And then at the end, I like sink into the mirror and like go. And I was trying to figure out a way of like, if your vagina could like talk and like have its desires, that's one way to look at it. Mm-hmm. You can also look at it like a window into my soul. Like, you can, you know, you can interpret it in different ways. Mm-hmm. And I still haven't figured out like, you know, the real true essence of the work um but it's something I was just playing with so that's something I can I was gonna say I I remember that and I remember commenting on it because I was like what is going on yeah I was interested in body parts and different lighting and um I was smoking in there and I don't share that I smoke so like that was also (laughs) a thing my brother like texted me and he was like you smoke I was like chill 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 it's okay oh Oh my my gosh it was weird yeah that's funny I love that um and this goes along I mean a lot of your dance performances have been of a sort of like a contemporary modern style Mm -hmm. so my question is like what draws you to that is it the, the freedom of the movement or I don't know what 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 draws you to that type of dance yeah, so um, I have to give a little bit of background. Mm-hmm. When at Dallas Black, we have like the quote unquote classic training, even though that should be like broken down because training is training. There shouldn't be like classical versus anything else. Because mm-hmm. that's like separating like, um, say uh, we did international fusion. 
So it's like, um, uh, no, I can't think of the word right now, but it's, um, the isolation in the hip stack that, um, I cannot think of that word. Oh my gosh. I feel ashamed. But anyways, that style versus <laughs> ballet. There shouldn't be like a one's valued more than the other. And that's Definitely. what I learned at CU. Dallas Black, you know, we were embedded in taking ballet, modern, jazz. You know, you got tap, you could do hip hop, you know, you could do those styles. Mm-hmm. So I was ingrained to be a modern dancer growing up. I learned Horton, you know, you like, you, you we dived in. Yeah. When I went to college, we were free, you know, <laughs> I can do, and that, that can mean so many different things in yeah. my, in, at my school. So that was a barrier I had to break mm. of this idea that it has to be ballet modern. So like in order to succeed in the dance world, and right. that is not true. And I learned so many different styles and I'm thankful for all the styles that, you know, I, I learned because that's, they all influence contemporary and contemporary, honestly, in the community is like such a, um, you can argue that word. Cause what is contemporary? Right. And it's such a broad term. Like, what does that even mean? Contemporary ballet. Okay. So you're doing ballet without the bow, like the quote-unquote classic ballet arms you know it's like oh it's like without the fingers yeah so just because you decided not to stick to that you know that realm it makes it contemporary why is it contemporary it's yeah it's just like that's a that's a lot of people's papers that's Mm -hmm. a good one so I say contemporary only because it's like a mixture of different things it's fusion artists is like a good way to just like say it because it's like um if you watched my BFA piece, looks nothing like the training that I do. It's very gestural. It's like just like sitting and like looking and like moving. And it's, um, there's not much quote unquote dance. When you think dance, you're thinking a lot of movement and dance can be walking down the street. Right. And that's what I've learned. And that's something that's, um, what that's what draws me to it that anything can be dance and that it's accept, it's acceptable to do gestures for 20 minutes just as I can do 15 pirouettes for two so it's like um I don't know yeah just having that freedom granted I do miss you know going back to those roots of like the the rigor and like you tell me what to do and I, I got it like I got right. it I didn't have to think about expression as much yeah. until later in my dance training. Like, I didn't look for how to improv. I hated improving when I first started because I hated thinking on my feet. I hated having to think, is this going to look good? Is that going to like come across right? No, yeah. just move. Just do what feels good. And that's um, having that experience is changes the way you're going to make work in general absolutely just going through that like if you've never taken an improv class it's just like oh you're just used to like step 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 how did you get to that step why like ooh, that's gooey okay now you have a word to describe your movement how are you going to explain your movement to other people without feeling it and like really investigating with yourself in your own body right 
Yeah, and I think I feel like going back to like the word contemporary, like I feel like I in dance. <laughs> I think in dance, like it's sort of a I don't know, a catch-all for like everything, like all types of movement. And I think that kind of that like contemporary, like in my head is just like what dance is like you were saying it's just movement it's whatever movement you're doing it doesn't have to be like rigorous first position second position whatever which like the rigor of that is fine again like if that's something that you value and you enjoy and you find meaning in and um fulfills you then that's great but like it doesn't always have to be that exactly yeah structure yeah Cause some, I know that was like a hard thing. I know for other people and myself of just having, like being okay with having that, like have the same value as what I do. Like just because you're doing, say, for example, even though it's, this could be like completely not true, mm-hmm. Alvin, a, you know, Alvin Ailey dance. That's yeah. something everyone knows. You know the movement. You know the type of people yeah. that perform there. Yeah. Some people could not find value in something that I just learned or something, say like um, my professor Rennie, even though everyone loves him, he does house and hip hop on premium stage. You don't really see that. Yeah. And he's telling a story through all those styles. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) like you you saw someone get shot, but they're like popping and doing all the things to get to that point it's just like the storytelling is a lot different anyway yeah. sorry that was a rant but some people can find value in alvin ailey versus rennie's work right and they're both the same they're both they, they both have value they both have value and they both require such rigor and training to get to those points so why not have that value spread across all styles yeah you're not just doing like nothing yeah Absolutely. Yeah. And I think like the word like traditional or classical training can be like damaging to that progress of like dances, whatever someone wants to call dance. Like, I don't know. I feel like traditional and classical, like as words used in art in general are kind of like limiting and like just build boundaries that don't need to be built yeah and sometimes it's the you have to think about it on the business standpoint of like the audience Mm. when you go to ballets who are you seeing right you have to market to that clientele in order for that company to you know make it sometimes that's just fun you know you gotta get your money yeah (laughs) in order to survive you know the arts don't really get that much support so it's like you gotta sadly give in even if yeah. that's not truly what you're trying to go for yeah exactly yeah art art has to make unfortunately has to make sacrifices for the coin yep um okay well i only have one question left and we ask everyone this question and you can think on it because it's kind of difficult um but what is one piece of advice that you would give to a young artist like yourself who's trying to break into the industry in dance in art in whatever into the industry (laughs) 
I can see the wheels turning. Yeah, because my first thing that I also have to remind myself to do is network. That's one thing I would, that's one factor, one thing I would definitely yeah. say if you're trying to make it into any industry is that you never know who knows who True. and you have to network. Mm-hmm. Like one example, my professor, Michelle, she does not, she's not a um, out, most outgoing person. She keeps to herself. So like, um, you know, networking is not the best, but she's very successful, like mm. amazing, amazing work. But um, I think she was like talking to someone on an elevator and then like that person, she, the person asked her about this, this opportunity. And she was like, oh, actually, I think you should contact my friend so-and-so because I think that word goes with this. Without knowing certain people, you wouldn't realize that your next opportunity could just be happening at that casual conversation. Yeah, in an elevator. That's In an elevator. Like, oh. Hey, Mark Jacobs, I have a great fashion designer that I think you should look at. And it's like, what? Like, you know, it's just like, um, you never know. So you definitely should not close any doors. Um, one thing I also have to keep note to myself, I think I'm just going to give notes of like things I'm telling myself. I think that's just what I'm going to say. Yeah. I'm telling myself to keep all doors open. Mm-hmm. Trying to leave the state. You can't be picky. You're not, you know, you're just like, you know, you're limiting your opportunities. You never know if, say, I move to Virginia, even though I would not want to move to Virginia. Say I go there. I never know if two months in Virginia can actually send me to my next big opportunity. Right. It's like you, you never know. And that's the sad part, but also the exciting part about these industries. You never know. You never know what the next thing is. You just have to keep pushing through. Keep staying passionate. Even if your passion decreases to becoming a side hobby. If you're doing a nine to five and you're creating work on the side, present the work. Submit it to different things. Still, like, you know, still find different ways to stay within the community because people end up not getting happy because they just didn't at least, in, you know, embed it somewhere in their everyday life. Yeah. Um, and that's why I think it's very important for me to have dance somewhere in my life, yeah. whether I'm performing or I'm working in the business part of it. Because right now, if I didn't go physically take classes at the moment, I would hate everything right now. <laughs> right. I'm not, I'm not immersed in it. I'm not looking at it. You know, I'm not next to people who also do the same things as me and they you know the commonality and all that kind of stuff so like yeah um the connection right and i would say um hmm. yeah there's never a right path even though you hear that so many times listen you got to hear it 300 times for it to actually sink in (laughs) yeah and even, yeah, and the real thing of, like, there will be a lot of no's before you get your yes. Mm-hmm. That's a real thing. I had a... Oh, I know. It's a real thing. <laughs> like, Lauren <laughs> said that they produce work, a lot of work, and they just present, you know, like, um, submit it to different things. But the constant, like, doing it over and over again, just submit it. You never know. You never mm-hmm. know if they're going to say yes. But you should be okay with them saying no as well. Like, I wouldn't... 
that's just me protecting my heart i would be prepared for a no yeah i have to mentally be prepared for no's and mm-hmm. oh yeah i don't know if that's just like me trying to like you know not get upset for every no or just being okay with that's what's going to be like in the industry yeah no i think a lot of no's it's I think okay that's smart what is it what is the saying um hope for the best expect the worst yep so you can't yeah i had to let go of like creating a plan girl i'm still struggling with that myself <laughs> yeah it's it really is hard don't get me wrong but yeah well love it i think all of that is very accurate i love that i mean yeah like how are you going to give advice if you can't take it yourself? So definitely appreciate that that's how you went about that. Um, all right. Well, wh- do you have anything else to add? Where can people find you? Oh, my gosh. I am such <laughs> a your, private person. <laughs> give your address and your social security number. Ooh, maybe the address, oh. not the social. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, on Instagram, Tai T. Um, it's just my first name and middle name, T I Y Y A underscore T I Y E. Um, I'm private, so I don't, I don't know. You know, I'll follow. You know, you could follow me. I'll, I'll accept it. I'm on my phone twenty four seven, so that's not going to be an issue. But um, yeah, I'm working. That's another thing I've definitely have been trying to get into is uh, posting more mm-hmm. and presenting more. I don't. I don't like posting. I'm such a private gal. Like I don't really, (laughs) I don't want people knowing my business. That's just like, and I get high anxiety of posting things anyways. I'm like, oh, my eye looks like it's like slightly off to the side. Like, oh, like small Mm. stuff like that. It's like really should not be that big of a thing. Like, come on. No, I was going to say, I I was like going back to your video with the mirror. um, I was like shocked when you posted that because I feel like you don't post a lot of like dance stuff. So I was like, Oh my god what i get i get very um i wouldn't say sensitive but like it's very delicate it's like personal yeah. yeah and it's like um i had to learn throughout the year to just do work just just present it and that was one of my present it whatever people say it doesn't matter because it was just it was just work it wasn't mm-hmm. like something i was holding on to right so um that helped i'm trying to get to posting my poll online we'll yes. see we'll see didn't you post something recently in my close friends list oh see? that's like that's one step it's <laughs> one step to, the you have to get public. into the inner circle i'm honored right. i'm honored so it's yeah we'll all right see. well love it can't wait to see more from you, you. wanna um I hope all the best for your next steps because, girl, I feel you. We're both working retail jobs and trying to figure out what's going on. Um, so, yeah, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you. Loved it. And, um, yeah, have a great rest of your night. Thank you. <laughs>
what an awesome interview with Ataye. That was much needed and so refreshing. So yeah. much energy. Oh, I love honestly, that energy. Yeah. She's a queen. I love her. Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so now moving on from our act two interview, we will be moving into our act three, our questions and answers. Yeah. So for the first question we have, it is how can you ensure that you are being an ally to your colleagues that are in marginalized communities? Mm. I think for starters, one, actively listening mm-hmm. and hearing say, yeah. um, your colleagues uh, that do come from these underrepresented identities and backgrounds um, in the theater world, and really not even only in theater, in mm-hmm. literally any sort of any um, capacity. Sphere. Yeah. Right, right, right. And yeah, actively, actively listening and hearing and not sort of um, coming at it from a defensive angle. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I was going to say, listen, keep your ears open, don't be closed minded about anything. And um, I would also say, just like, even listen to, um, not listen, but pay attention to your own um, privilege, basically. Just mm-hmm. check check your privilege often because mm-hmm. the more you do that, the more you recognize um, uh, that other communities or other identities um, are not as privileged as you and they may not be as um, recognized or represented. And so... Um, that can be a really great way to um, understand and move forward with your allyship for your fellow people. Mm-hmm. And in addition to not just, you know, listening and, and sort of learning from what you're hearing um, from your peers, also making space for others and yeah. recognizing the space that you may take up personally and who is not um, being both invited into a space um, or welcomed, you know, like mm-hmm. very far too long we have endured a world of such you know white uh hetero cis theater uh that is run by um a very privileged um group yeah and there's one thing to be invited to the table but it's another thing to have the table not be a place not be a place that you want to venture into and there's a big difference in uh creating space um, where it is warranted and creating it in a proper manner so that you're not just, you know, inviting people into a space that um, is never going to accept them for who they are, even if, you know, you you open that up or you feel like you're opening that up. No, yeah. yeah. And another thing to do as well is while you're listening or while you're checking your privilege, privilege you know, all the, all the things that need to be done, mm-hmm. um, Please, as you're listening, if ideas come up, implement those ideas. Right. It is so necessary to at least try them out. Mm -hmm. That is a big part of being an ally. And that is a big part of actually utilizing your privilege and creating a space and a platform for all of these communities and all of these people. And, and also like every single area and aspect of your production rehearsal process too. We, it's so hard to do. We do it as well. Like I know personally, I'm so scared of asking questions. 
or like suggesting something because oh, I might like sleeping. But <laughs> it's time to like get rid of that though. And we yeah. need to create a space where anyone can just come in and like and offer just a space to be heard, but also see like, oh, my voice does matter. Like even mm-hmm. if this idea and this suggestion is not set in stone and is not part of the process somehow, at least it was at least it was tried out. Mm-hmm. That's a very big thing that a lot of people need to start doing. Yeah. I also think one thing that I it is kind of hard to wrap your head around as an ally is um like know your place, basically. Like um there are a lot of things that are going on right now uh, in terms of diversity and inclusion within all organizations and like of course become parts of those um committees and those groups so that you have a um you're part of the change however like there are certain aspects of like those changes where you need to um be mindful of um, like the people in the, the, those marginalized communities, be mindful of their actions and what they are trying to do and know your place in making those changes because you could be taking it a step too far or not doing enough. Like just be mindful, know your place. Um, and I think one more thing I wanted to say was um, try not to rely on like the people like um, in these communities for like approval because it's mm-hmm. not their job. Mm-hmm. It's not right. their job to like be like, yes, you're doing okay. Like, right. It's also not yeah. our job to do the work for others as well. Like, exactly. diversity and equity yeah. inclusion committees are fantastic and those momentums are definitely needed, especially in spaces where there is no sort of running on that. But a committee doesn't do anything if it doesn't actually create some structural integral change Mm -hmm. yeah marginalized communities and excluded communities are not your google search they're not your they're not your encyclopedia Mm -hmm. as an ally you need to do your research right absolutely and you can't always like act you can't act like a child like being like having your hand held through this like process because these are the like these marginalized communities and these people are the people who um, have these hardships on their back who who shouldn't have to, again, hold your hand. like Right, and not bear mm-hmm. the burden of your learning and, and uncovering of, of anything that you need to work through. Exactly. Um, and just a little bit more on the sort of uh, having a seat at the table, as they call it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's diversity is very much spun in these different myths kind of that um racism only ends as soon as there are like fewer white people in a room or Mm -hmm. fewer like um says hetero identifying people in the room like no that's that's not true Mm -hmm. um that's very much an illusion of progress i guess to conceal um uh all of the just misogyny and racism and um everything that's able is yeah exactly everything that's just um so ingrained in the industry mm-hmm. um and only through an e- expansion of the types of stories that you're telling how you're telling them who is telling them um who is you know directing them um who's on stage being seen 
playing them. Um, only then will we sort of hopefully begin to see um, a world of theater that is helping to hinder the white supremacy and everything that's so so ingrained in it in the craft that we all love um but sometimes very much hurts us yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely yeah all mm -hmm. <laughs> like i can't we can't stress this enough really and there's <laughs> Also, there's so much more that we can talk about, but we only oh. have a certain amount of time. I know, we only have a little within, bit of time. Within this I could talk about this all day, all day. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, as we're going to have to hold ourselves back from this before <laughs> it turns out to be like an actual, like, three hour, yeah. like three hour special, a movie, <laughs> a show. if you will. So, multiple intermissions needed. Of course. A series. <laughs> We will now move on to our next question. Love it. <laughs> With the respected time we have. <laughs> um, so our, our second and our last question actually is, what fundamental practices should we change in our field to include, to include more diversity and equity? Okay. We I kind have... of already, sorry, 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 go ahead, go ahead. Go sorry. for it. You're on, a, you're on the move, go. <laughs> Well, we kind of already talked about this too within our first, um, within our first question, mm -hmm. but it's not, what I have to say is really not so much of a practice. It's more of a literally like put some diversity and equity into your teams. So while we're asking for a lot more accurate, accurate and representative and respective uh, representation on screen and on stage behind the scenes is also very important, mm -hmm. especially with those higher up, oh, yeah. AKA producers, casting directors, mm -hmm. administrators, Art yeah, all artistic of that. directors, like mm -hmm. all of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and it, it, although we can say like, please put in like, BIPOC representation and equity uh, with producers and artistic directors in your companies and in your shows, they still have to do the work. It's not right. just like implement and put in the, oh my gosh, the like, oh, this is like a reference for, from a BPM podcast. <laughs> wink, wink. Uh, the token theater friend. Yes, um, my favorite. <laughs> yeah so it's like it's not a token thing no exactly you still, need to put, you still need to put in the work right and if you are in these positions of power where you have the opportunity to help um open up uh these chances for others voices and others to have a voice um then really look at the content that you are creating and you're wanting to create and you're wanting to produce mm -hmm. um look at the playwrights um, you are calling their works for. Look at the um, shows that you are just reading and listening to yourself. Um, when you are choosing a show to do or to cast or become involved in, um, really look at one, what are the characters that are in the show? Um, what sort of um, characterizations do they represent mm -hmm. um, making sure you don't have the tokenized character of color in the ensemble we hate mm -hmm. that yeah. um and making sure that you know <laughs> really look at yourself if you see a show or you have a show if everyone in your cast 
is cis white hetero actor like why like yeah. why do we need that do we need that i'm gonna say a strong no no absolutely no. not and it's not also yeah yes. right and it's not also <laughs> enough to just whitewash characters to put in um actors of color um or actors with the underrepresented identities in these very just tropey like oh yeah yeah exactly yeah um one thing i was gonna say is um so this is more about broadway rather than just general theater but i think one thing that needs to change in the practices on broadway is um ticket accessibility Mm, yeah and Mm, it's mm. mainly because the ticket prices that i mean obviously not now because there are no tickets to be sold but um someday someday pre-covid um uh, ticket prices were incredibly high and that astronomical yeah like (laughs) and, and that completely narrows down the accessibility and the um range of an audience that you're going to have and therefore Mm -hmm. uh, limits the diversity of your audience and therefore limits the diversity of theater in general and um it just it's so um like people think when they go to new york like that um like one of the biggest tourist attractions is broadway but it it can't be unless it's accessible and it Mm -hmm. and if people who are not familiar with like theater outside of Broadway, like Broadway is the only um, touch point they have for theater. And they think like, oh, that's too expensive for me. Then they're not going to go and out of their way to see theater in other aspects of their life that may be accessible and affordable and really great. Um, Mm -hmm. And that again, just narrows down um, the audience and it further narrows everything to like this limited, like, rich white audience that is like so small and not inclusive and not um what we want to see right and not the not the the audience also as we all know you know broadway moneymaker they Mm -hmm. put the shows in the theaters that will make them money and Mm -hmm. if those are the types of audiences that are buying the tickets then probably um, unfortunately, the shows that they want to see are not necessarily encompassing of the diversity of the world that we live in and all the yeah. stories that should be told. Yeah, yeah. and it, fe- it affects literally everything. And because- it's such a corrupted cycle. Yeah, and because mm-hmm. these communities, these more marginalized communities, people of color, um, because of systemic racism are more likely to be in impoverished com- communities, they, they can't afford these high ticket prices. And mm-hmm. it's- ridiculous and not okay and um so that's one thing that really like needs to change like asap because that's some bs Mm -hmm. and with that too like this is more of this is my take on it too um and it's this is for any person who handles any financials uh, of Broadway, you could think like, well, these ticket prices are pretty like inexpensive for Broadway. Keyword, keywords mm-hmm. for Broadway. Right. Mm-hmm. 
So get get out of that space right. and see because the biggest demographic of again like a Broadway audiences are those who can afford it. Yeah, so if right. you're trying to make a more inclusive space within Broadway and put up these shows and hire these people their rep, like their communities want to go see them want to go support them how are they going to be able to do it if like how you said charlotte if most of them do live in poverty yeah. and i mean the whole like economic and financial whirlpool and nutshell of broadway and just big industry like productions there's more to it too um and there's there's a lot of things that need to be fixed i don't want to say before ticket prices need to be fixed no it, it should like have already started immediately mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. there's a lot within our system within our general system um that need to be fixed economically oh, yeah. and financially in order for a lot of that to happen but for 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 those who are able to to make those ticket prices like how we said check your privilege and check uh -huh. the privilege of your audience members and those who actually want to bring into your spaces yep, new right. york is a wonderful space it's a touristy place mm -hmm. it makes money because of it how can we bring in more people and make it more inclusive than what the generic already is right yep. that makes right a new broadway sense. when we yes. return someday a new yes. theater mm -hmm. a new broadway the new marquee broadway. <laughs> in lights the lights of times square just <laughs> ah, i can't wait i can't wait love right. it love it all can't right y'all change cannot wait <laughs> yep awesome y'all well that, about that is does it. it yeah that about does it that's about it for for our Q&A for Act 3 and also for this episode. Thank you mm -hmm. so much for tuning in. Thank uh, you. For listening and being a part of this conversation. Yeah. And again, for any, any other questions, you can always send in your questions to us. Yep. The link to send those in will be in the description. Yes. Um, and another thing that's in the description is, reminder, our resources. Ooh. So go check out those resources. Seriously, though. Yeah. I just want to quickly say, while our conversation in this episode about diversity and inclusion in um, theater is over, the conversation about this topic should never end. And so right. don't mm -hmm. don't be complacent and sit around and be like, cool, I've done my work. I'm right. Done. I've read the article. I'm done now. Like, yeah. No, yeah. No. Do not be no. complacent. The work never ends. Anything can be improved, especially within this um, topic. Um, for sure, for sure. And I did want to just remind everyone, next episode, episode six, is our last episode. Shed a tear. I will be. Tears. Tears. And um, so keep a lookout. Um, and um, stay tuned for that. Stay tuned. All right. Awesome. Bye. Bye. Peace.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.